0: Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Um, uh, Man, I'm excited. I'm telling you what that the first service, I'm I'm usually, um, yeah, first service is second service. I'm usually better during second service, getting more excited. First service was an an exciting service. My wife had to tell me, she said, John, you need to calm down, man. You need to calm down. (laughs) But uh, I woke up this morning and I was really so excited. I really was. And and so I think this is, this is a great word. Pastor Rich has been in the last five weeks. This is our sixth week. He's been in a sermon series called Exodus. What we're doing is we're taking a trip through the book of Exodus to see how God used... Um, Aaron and Moses to actually help get the children of Israel out of bondage, out of captivity, um, out of slavery from the hands of Egypt. And so today is a really good lesson. We're actually going to start in verse uh, chapter 7. The lesson today is the finger of God. The finger of God. But before we go into our lesson, I want to read a quick scripture. I want to back up just a little bit in verse 5. Chapter 5, verse 2, And just read exactly what it says. It says, but Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much. Speak to us in this time. Father, allow us to hear you clearly. So we give you praise and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what we're going to do now is now we're going to answer that question. We got to the point to where God answers the question that Pharaoh asked, and maybe even the Egyptians were asking back in chapter 5. Who is this, Lord? I don't know him. Who, who is this guy? I don't know. So now we're at a point to where we're actually going to ask, uh, answer these questions. And I have four little things that I want you guys to consider. And I want you guys to think about those and see where we can fit, into, where our life fits. And, and our first thing is, is, is this here. Through rejection, it's God's mercy displayed. Through rejection, it's God's mercy displayed. Exodus 7, 1 through 5 says, this it says, And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my host, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. How encouraging is that? That God tells you, look, I'm sending you to somebody, but when you go there, he ain't going to listen. So basically what you got to do is you just got to go there and you just got to talk. That's basically what you got to do. But what I like about it is God was setting some things up. He was setting some things to show his power. You see... uh, Aaron and Moses coming to Pharaoh saying, hey, our God says this is not, it's not something that surprised Pharaoh. Uh, that they wanted to serve another God. There was another God that they were serving because the Egyptians at that time was a polytheistic nation. Is they served more than one God, they served multiple gods. As a matter of fact, they served over, there was over 100 gods, 114 to be exact, that they, that they worshiped. And so just by Moses and Aaron coming saying, look, our God said that wasn't a surprise to him because they were used to a lot of gods. But the thing that was a surprise to him that he didn't like was, okay, so you're saying that your God is going to reign over me and reign over the people of Israel? Absolutely not. And so that's what the problem became. And see, this is the thing here is most of the time the problem is not the people. So Pharaoh wasn't the problem. It was Pharaoh's rejection of God's word that was a problem. So whenever somebody comes and tells us and gives us words of God and tells us, you know, this is what the Bible says. Now, it's one thing for me to come and tell you, hey, this is what I think. But it's another thing when I come to tell you what scripture, because that can't be rejected. It's not supposed to be rejected. And so it's not the people that's the problem. It's the people rejecting the word of God. That makes things a sin. But what I like about that is through Pharaoh's rejection, that created an opportunity for God to display his mercy and his judgment. Yeah. I'm trying to go a little slow, guys, because I, I'm, I'm a fast talker and sometimes I don't even understand myself. So I'm trying to make sure you understand and get what I'm trying to say. And so this was an opportunity for God to show his mercy and judgment to the, to the people of, of, of Egypt. Well, John, how are you going to talk about mercy and judgment in the same sentence, because most of us, when we view judgment, we think that God is casting down hailstones and firestones, and He's going to come and kill us and we're all going to die, and that's not really what God's judgment is meant to be. It will happen if we don't listen, but what God's judgment is really meant to be is just to show us what we're doing wrong, to show us that He is God, and He is supreme, and He is the author, and He has in the finisher of our faith, and He is all-powerful. So what God does is he, he deals with us in a way that he's so merciful that we don't get the things that we should get. Right, right. It's good. Yeah. And so that's how God judges us, is he judges us with mercy. Because if truth be told, all of us should be dead right now. Yeah. Because none of us listen to everything that God tells us. And our judgment should be death. But it's only because of his mercy yeah. that we are still able to be here. Exodus 7 and 5 tells us, it talks about what God was trying to do. God was trying to reveal to the children of, or to the Egyptians, and even to the children of Israel that was in bondage there, that he is supreme. That he is the true God. So what he's trying to do is he's trying to bring Pharaoh and the Egyptians down to their knees. To let them see that I am God. Because you got to understand, one day, it's going to come to where either you're going to be forced on your knee or you're going to do it willingly. And so it's better to go ahead and not be forced to do that and be willing to just submit, submit to God, submit to to his authority, submit to his supreme power and who he is for he alone is God. And when we get down to verses 8 through 12, it talks about how God tells his Moses and Aaron, he says, look, when Pharaoh, he didn't say if Pharaoh, but he says, when Pharaoh comes to you and wants proof, God is already telling them what Pharaoh is going to do. He says, because our God is all-knowing, he says, when Pharaoh comes to you and asks for proof, this is what you do. You tell Aaron to take the staff that's in his hand and throw it down on the ground. And so Pharaoh comes, he says, look, you keep talking about this God character, this dude. I, I don't know this guy. I'm not going to know this guy. Look, I need some proof. That's just like me coming to tell you, that, hey, guess what? Tomorrow there's going to be a million dollars in your bank account. Hold on, John. <laughs> I need some proof of that. You let me see the power of that. You let me see exactly where that's coming from. And so it said that Aaron threw down the staff, and the staff turned to a snake, it turned into a serpent. And so uh, a, a Pharaoh, I can imagine Pharaoh sitting probably on his, on his little throne. He's like, oh, okay, cool. Cool. And so he calls his magicians. Yeah, I said his magicians. <laughs> he calls his his, his magicians that were from Egypt, that's where I got magicians from. Yes, Lord, help me, Jesus. <laughs> so he calls his, his magicians in, uh, who we find out in, in 2 Timothy 3 and 18. Is it 3 and 18? Yes, 3, 3 and 8. 2 Timothy 3 and 8, their names are, are, are Janes and Jambrez, however you pronounce it, but I'm close. I'm somewhere in there. So if I got it wrong, just let me know. He says, hey, guys, look, check out what they just did they threw their staff and the staff turned into a snake and I'm paraphrasing a little bit okay so what I'm just saying is not really in your Bible but that's what it's saying okay and so they have their staffs and they throw them down as well and they turn to serpents, they turn to snakes as well but the thing that I like about God is that although the the magicians although the magicians could although them people could duplicate what God did Yes. Although they duplicated exactly what God did, what I like about that is the Bible says that Aaron's staff ate up their their staff. And what I like about that is is even the most powerful being is powerless compared to our God. So it doesn't matter how much power you have or how much power you think you have, our God is always more powerful than that. So the simple fact that these magicians tried to outdo God or tried to Do the exact same thing. Try to match God. Let's know that this is a spiritual battle. This is a spiritual battle. Well, John, how can you say that? Because Pastor Rich said, this is the last week or a couple weeks ago, that that, that, did you always notice that when you're praying for somebody, things always gets worse? Because we pray for God to to, to deliver people, to bless people, to, to bring them out of certain situations, but it seems like things turn for the worse. And they're like, look, dude, please stop praying for me. But what we don't understand is that's a spiritual battle. Spiritual warfare is real. As a matter of fact, Ephesians says this. Ephesians 6 and 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. These spiritual battle lines are the most intense when we're trying to move people from slavery to freedom. From bondage to freedom. Right. When we're trying to allow them to see that these chains need to be broken off of them, that's when the battle gets even worse because the devil wants you to be bound. Right. He wants you to worship him. And when we try to let you know exactly who the king of king is and who the Lord of lords is, oh, he don't like that. Mm-hmm. So we're praying and the heavenlies and God and his angels are working, but guess what? Satan and his, and his little imps are working as well. So God's trying to pull you one way, but then the devil is trying to pull you back this other way. That's why it's so hard for us. Because we try to do things in the natural, but things don't happen in the natural. Things happen in the spiritual. And we fight spiritual battles. And so when you try to fight spiritual battles by natural means, nothing works. And we'll always be stuck. In the same place the second thing that I want you to consider is this only through God are we entirely secure only through God are we entirely secure Exodus seven twenty and 21 says this, it says Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants he lifted up the staff and struck the water in the Nile and all the water in the Nile turned into blood and the fish in the Nile died and the Nile stank so that the Egyptians could not drink water from the Nile. There was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. So here we see God disrupting the security of the Egyptians. The Nile River was the lifeblood. It was a lifeline. It was the security of the Egyptians. Through the Nile River is where they got their water from. As a matter of fact, whenever, whenever there were overflows, certain times of the year that the Nile would just overflow, it would bring in something called silt. Called silt. Now, silt is a rich and fine soil. And so they would gather that and they would take it to certain places to be able to to, to plant vegetation and to make it fruitful. But not only that, the Nile River was also their source of water. This is this is exactly what they needed to survive. If the Nile dried up or anything happened to the Nile, they're gonna die. And so John Davis said this. He says, were it not for this inundation for the Nile River, Egypt would be as desolate as the deserts are on either side. Remember, I told you that uh, Egypt were, uh, um, they were polytheistic, meaning they served several gods. There was a god that they served uh, uh, from the Nile. His name was Happy, H-A-P-I, Happy. So uh, I I equate it to this, you know, whenever we're secure, we're real happy. We're real happy. But when we're not secure, then we're real sad. And so it says they served this God by the name of Happy. Mm. And it says that Happy was was a plump dude. He was a guy. He was blue and green in color and had large female breasts. For one, I'm thinking like, look, that's a weird dude right there. I don't know if I, if I want to follow or worship something or somebody looks like, but I don't know, brother. Maybe you need to go work out. Yeah. You're plumping and, and, you know, you get, yeah, maybe we need to go work out some. Yeah. But still yet, his blue and green color would probably mess me up. But it was thought that that, that, that him having the long female breast on this guy symbolized life. It symbolized fertility. It symbolized um. um, um that he was good, that he brought about about life. Um, So at certain times of the year, Pharaoh would go out to the Nile River uh, to perform certain ritualistic things. And it just so happened that at this one time of the year when he was going out there, these two dudes are there waiting on him because God said, look, God didn't say, look, I want you to show when he shows up. I want you to go there after he gets there. The Bible says that God told Moses and Aaron, look, I want you to be out there waiting for him. And so I can just see Pharaoh walking along, and, and as he's going, he looks, he's like, oh, my gosh. Dudes, are you serious? I already told you no. Stop pestering me. Just go away. But God had other plans. He told Moses and Aaron, he says, he says, Moses, whenever you see him by the Nile, he's not going to believe you because his, his heart's going to be hard. So what I want you to do is I want you to tell Aaron to stretch out his staff and stretch it over the Nile and over all the other, the other, the other water platoons they have and strike the Nile. And when you strike the Nile, it's going to turn into blood. But the thing that, that shows how powerful God is, is he struck the Nile And the whole Nile turned into blood. But not only that, every other water basin that they had turned into blood as well. The Bible says if there was water in rock or in wooden canisters or whatever, all that turned to blood. So nothing was there. And so what I want you to understand is that rebellion and rejection won't just affect you. It will affect all those around you as well. And why do I see that? Because you got to understand God's chosen people, the Hebrews, the Israelites were stuck in Egypt, were bound, were slaves. And so they actually, they, they actually drank water from the Nile as well. That was their source. That was their security. And so because the Nile and all the other water turned into blood, they had nothing to drink as well. And so while the Egyptians couldn't turn the water, uh, the blood back in the water, what they did is they got smart and they started digging up some. And they finally understood, that hey, if we just dig here, there's a little bit of water here. And it said that after that, the Pharaoh's Pharaoh's heart grew hard again. So to put total security in anything other than God ignores the fact that he said he is our provision. As a matter of fact, Psalm 81 and 10 says this. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Did you guys hear God speaking to you? He's letting you know that he is your provision. That all you got to do is open up your mouth and he's going to fill exactly what it is that you need. Only through God are we entirely secure, which takes me to my next point that I want you to consider. Only in God are we fully alive. So the second point is only through God are we totally secure. And this one is only in God are we fully alive. Exodus 8, 1 and 6 says this. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go. Behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. The Nile shall swarm with frogs that shall come up in your house and into your bedroom and on your bed and into the houses of your servants and your people. And into your ovens and your kneading bowls. The frogs shall come up on you and your peoples and on all your servants. And the Lord said, basically what he's saying is, look, these frogs are going to be everywhere. They're going to be everywhere. And the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the canals, and over the pools, and make frogs come up out of the land of Egypt, onto the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his staff over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. This is a tragedy. So frogs were not... um, uncommon in Egypt. Frogs actually were considered sacred, a sacred being in Egypt. Um, there, was, there, there was a goddess this time that they served. And this goddess's name was Hecate. Hecate. And so it, it, it shows a picture of Hecate, a picture of a woman's body with the head of a frog. That, that, that's weird. And so it's believed that out of the, out of the nostrils that Hecate could breathe the breath of life. But we know that the breath of life comes from only one source. As a matter of fact, Genesis 2 and 7 says this. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. John 1, 1 through 4 says this. It says, In the beginning was the word. And the word. Let, me, let me read it to you this way. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Jesus. And without Jesus, he was, was not anything made that was made. In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. So life only comes through God. Life only comes through Jesus. No other source, no other being can breathe the breath of life into anybody because they didn't create anything or anybody. Only God is our creator. Now imagine the very thing that you revered as sacred and holy now becoming so profane and without meaning. Because usually when we have something that's that's sacred, it's not a lot of sacred things. There's not a lot of, say you have a sacred tree in your yard, which I hope you don't have a sacred tree in your yard because you're going to be worshiping a tree in Trees can't do anything for you, but anyways, so so these frogs were sacred, right? And so 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 so, so I I, I revere these frogs as something sacred and holy. But now there's tons of these things that are pestering me, who I thought was holy, what I thought was, was 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 could breathe the breath of life. All of a sudden, these things are everywhere. Wow. Imagine you trying to go to bed, and you pull back the sheets. I'm sorry, and, and you pull back the frogs, <laughs> and there's frogs in your bed. Imagine you're going to your cupboard because you want to eat something, right? And Because you want some of Miss some of Robbie's chocolate cake. And you open up the cupboard and it's filled with frogs. Imagine you going and say you, you barbecued steak yesterday or some ribs. And you go to your refrigerator to get some and it's filled with frogs. Fellas, imagine this. Imagine you're trying to cuddle with your wife. But when you're coloring with your wife, you're coloring with frogs because all the frogs are on her. <laughs> that paints a pretty nasty picture, right? But that's exactly what happened. And what I like about this is, is, is the, the, the Egyptian magicians came. And they all, see, yeah, I did good. And they also made frogs. But one thing they couldn't do is they couldn't get rid of them. Right. And so I imagine them going to Pharaoh and saying, hey, <laughs> hey sir, um, we can't do it. We can't get rid of them. What do you want us to do? And Pharaoh's like, man, now I gotta go and talk to those people. Says, hey, Moses. Hey, Aaron. (laughs) Look, let me let me let me holler at you guys for a minute. Come back. I don't want everybody here. And he says, look, I believe in your God now can you please make these frogs go away? And Moses is like, yeah, man. You give me the day. You give me the time, and, and, and I'll pray, and I'll make it happen. And he says, look, tomorrow. And Moses looks at him and says, okay, be it as you said, that you may know that my God is real. Yeah. And so Moses goes back, and he prays and says, God, omnipotent one. God who has all power, the creator of of all things show your power now. He wants them gone tomorrow. Can you do that? And God says, yeah, I got you because you're my man. And so that specific time the frogs died. They went away, but they didn't go away. They weren't hopping on everybody, but they're dead everywhere now. But God did exactly as Pharaoh asked Moses to do. And so, although the frogs were gone, it wasn't hopping on everybody. There was still a stench. There was still a stink because now you have all these dead frogs all over Egypt. Stank. I'm sorry, Pastor Rich. Yeah, I didn't get that right. They stank. There was a stank. All over Egypt. And see, this is the thing. When we worship the creation instead of the creator, we create worship disorders. You guys know what disorders are, right? There's, there's, there's blood disorders. There's eating disorders. And all of, that is, all of that stems because it wants you to die. It comes to kill you, to suck the life out of you. And we do the very same thing when we worship other gods, when we don't worship the one true God. When we're, when we're in rebellion and rejection and when we're in sin and knowing that we're in sin, we don't want to turn our hearts away from these gods because this is the thing, guys, is sometimes you can be so bound in things that that actually becomes a god to you because you're more focused on that than you are the god. And you don't even know it. We want to get better, but I'm still a slave in Egypt. We want to get better, but I'm still stuck in this specific place and I can't get over it and so now all of my attention is put on that one thing and not attention on God and without even knowing it that very thing can become our God now to my last point now and the last point I want you to consider is this this is the finger of God This is the finger of God. Exodus 8, 16 and 19 says this. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to Aaron, I mean, I'm sorry, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth, and there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Now, here we see a very powerful thing in this text. Because we know that God is the creator of life. God can speak something that comes to life. And so now we have God giving life to something to disorient another life. So God produces life. He says, hit the ground. And gnats came up. Life was created. The nets were created. And he created that life to disorient another life who would not submit to him. Oftentimes, we have a tendency of producing certain things in our lives that disorients us, that takes our attention away from the attention of God. And remember what I said in my last point, that when we rebel and when we reject against things, it doesn't just affect us, but it affects everybody that we're connected to. And the thing about it is a lot of us don't even see that. Remember that these chosen people were in the land of Egypt. They were in slavery. They were in captivity by the Egyptians. And for these first three plagues, what happened is anything that God did, made happen, let happen to the Egyptians, also happened to the children of Israel. Because when we rebel and we reject God's word, now it becomes community. And it affects more than just ourselves. Now imagine all these gnats being all over the great state of Texas. Everywhere you went, you got these gnats, these gnats flying around. You try to sit down and just have, a, have, have some lunch or some dinner or something. You got these gnats everywhere and you're trying to shoo them out of your food. Some other, some other verses of the Bible says that it could have been Lice. But I know what I just read is, uh, hey, <laughs> that's scripture. That's, that's not me. And so I- I- imagine that, 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 that everywhere that you go, these, these gnats are all over you, landing on you, biting on you, getting in your ears. You guys ever had a gnat get in your ear? Oh. You try to drink some water, you look in there, there's all these gnats in your, in, in your cup everywhere that you, everywhere that you go all because there was rebellion and rejection of God's word. Now, this plague was convincing enough for the magicians to believe in God because it's something they cannot reproduce. God will ensure that he shows us that he has the ultimate power and who is the real God. Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, God shows himself to each individual according to his character. Although we serve a good God, if you have bad character, you're going to see God as bad because our character is bad. But God will show himself to each individual according to his character. I can imagine that Pharaoh's magicians go to him and say, look, boss, we tried to do this. We can't create life. Only the finger of God can do that. We're believers now so I think you need to jump on board and believe with us because hey this guy is powerful and I truly believe now that all these other gods are fake and phonies and everything that we have derives it comes from him it lives in him it's given out of him because the the thing that I like is is when we were here for Engage Spirit Night on Friday pastor told says, look you guys just be silent and just pray ask God to give you one word and the word that he gave me was truth I was like God is that really you? And the pastor gets up and talks about a scripture about truth. I was like, oh, okay, God, that got to be you. And in that, he says, look, everything that you have comes out of the truth of who I am. So if husbands, you having a wife, the Bible talks about and the two became one flesh, that's truth. So that truth comes out of the truth of God's word. You working and making money. You eating food? Well, guess what? That's truth out of God's word because the Bible says that if a man don't work, he don't eat. So the only way you get to eat is if you work. That's truth in God's word. Just that we're living and that we're provided for is truth and it comes out of the truth of God. Not from you and not from anybody else but only from God himself. That's where the truth comes from. And so we have to understand that there are many false gods out there. And a lot of the false gods out there look very appealing. They promise to give you more money. They promise to make you more popular. They promise to provide for you and and, and, and to give you security. For all the single ladies, they promise to give you men that you don't need to have because you can't control yourself yet. Men, you too. They promise to, to, to all these false gods, promises, look man, I'm gonna make your mind right. Your heart will be right if you just come serve and worship me. But the truth only comes from the truth and from the word of God. the only place that we get truth from. And so I want to read this scripture and actually want to speak this over you guys' life right now before we close. It's from Colossians 2, 6 through 10, and it says this. It says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to the human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority There's people and there's things out there that portrays to be something real And there's people out there that can talk real smooth to make you believe exactly what they're selling. But it's not the truth. And so that scripture was saying, look, don't be bamboozled. Don't be sucked in by all this falseness. You live according to the scripture, according to the truth, just as you were taught from the scripture, not from what I say which is why I want to challenge every last one of you, go and read Exodus 7 and Exodus 8. Stop at verse 19, because Pastor Rick's going to pick up on that next week. And I want all of you to proof text me. Let me know that, hey, John ain't saying nothing that's not in the Bible. And maybe God will give you fresh new revelation for yourself. And so I pray, so even before we leave, I just feel like that that, 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 that if, if there's anybody That's bound, that's stuck in something, that's trying to get out but can't. I want to pray for you. And I want to pray with you. And at the end of service, I want you to find one of our leaders and go to them and talk to them and let them know exactly what it is so we can agree with you. So we can try to get you well. And so let us pray now. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this word.